Yes, it was bound to happen. A new episode of the Robcast. This is episode 331, and it's called Hope Part 1. So yeah, a couple weeks ago, I come back here to the back house to do this episode, well, what I thought this episode was, and Preston is back here hanging out with his friend Noah, and he told me about his friend Noah, and Kristen had met her, and they'd been like, you're going to love Noah, she's fantastic. And so I got to meet Noah, and by the way, Noah's last name is Fence. Yeah, I'll give you a minute to let that one kick in. (laughs) How fantastic is that? There are parents on planet Earth who had a daughter, I don't know, 20, 22, 24 years ago. Their last name is Fence, and they named her Noah. You know what? This this episode is called Hope Part 1. Do we need to go any farther? Does that not give you enough hope? Just that alone? (laughs) So, uh, Preston and Noah hanging out, and I was like, oh, no problem. Um, I got the microphone in the little recorder box, and I took it in to the house and set it up at the kitchen table. And I start doing this episode, what I thought was this episode. And I, it just, I cannot get it. It is just so elusive and sort of frustrating. I can't find the thing. And it was very clear. I had a couple notes here, very clear. So then I was like, oh, obviously it's because I'm at the kitchen table. I should go up to that counter with the stools. Maybe it's something about my you know, how I'm sitting or the microphone or posture. So I sit up in the stool. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Much more, better posture. We're sitting up higher. And I still, I cannot get, I do a take. I do another take. So it, literally, I'd be like, hello, friends. Welcome to the rap. Ah, that's not it. <laughs> this is episode three. Nah. <laughs> I'd quit like two seconds in, or I'd get like 10 minutes in and all of a sudden be like, this doesn't work. So I, at one point, it's like, how many takes have I done here? So I took the little card out and stuck it in and just read. And when you get over 20 attempts at something and you're, you're like an hour into it and you have nothing that you're going to keep, yeah, so... I just walked away from it. I was like, that thing, I don't know about it. It's just not, it's something, it's talking to me and it has. it's not saying much. <laughs> but then, a couple days ago, no, a couple nights ago, like literally middle of the night, I had this, oh, you got to break it down, fella. It's, well, that thing's way too bulky. It's, it's a bunch of episodes. By the way, apparently in the middle of the night, I refer to myself when I'm speaking to myself as fella. But there was like, no, no, no. You got to make this thing way more elegant. It's You got to just go part by part by part. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, no wonder I couldn't get it. I was cramming way too much. It was like too bulky, too clunky, too cluttered. It's like remove the clutter and just get to the elegance of it, which is the simplicity that contains the complexity. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, this is like a part one, part two. And I even, the title had something to do with like, it was like the algorithm of hope or anytime you have the word algorithm in your title, you're already, right? You're just already, that's just clunky. It's like, oh no, no, no. Keep it really clean here. Yeah. Hope 
part one. So there'll be a part two, part three. So just to this episode, just a very, very simple idea. And then part two, very simple. We're going to go bit by bit. And the reason why I want to talk about hope is because I, I was hearing somebody recently asking about hope and talking about hope, and I realized, oh, I have a completely different understanding of hope. And I began to pay attention to how this word gets used and was like, oh, the dominant understandings of this word actually set people up to have a lack of it. The way that people understand it just naturally bends towards a certain sort of hopelessness. And so I was like, okay, so how, how would I lay this out? So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best here to like slowly, intentionally go about uh, telling you how I understand hope, and we'll see where it takes us. Mm-hmm. By the way, where it takes us, um, I'm going to Australia next month, end of October, for the last two Everything is Spirituals. I'll be in Sydney and Melbourne, and all the info, dates, venues, etc., are at my site. But Australian friends, I am coming your way soon. So, this episode... Uh, to get into this, really, really, really simple, and I'll do a bit about the actual word hope, but we're going to sort of, as these parts go on, work our way towards uh, a better, fuller understanding, and so let's do this. Let's start with your grocery store. Yeah, the grocery store that you go to. A picture of yourself. Walk as I, man... I love going to the grocery store. I went yesterday. I didn't even really need to go. I mean, like a couple of things. Violet wanted to go. So, oh, what a thrill. I mean, I love going to the grocery store. I have four different ones that I go to around here. Pick the one you go to the most. You go through those, those like, I don't know what that noise was. You know those glass doors that open when you step on that thing? And uh, notice the sh- what's on the shelves. Look to the left. Look to the right. Look straight ahead. Notice what's on those shelves, what they put there, because that's how a grocery store works. You walk in, and the people who run the store have put a bunch of food on the shelves. Sometimes things aren't there. You know, those supply chain issues. A couple weeks ago, um, Kristen asked me to get some pineapple sparkling water, and when it wasn't there and I asked uh, the person working, she said, it's out of season. Sometimes things are out of season. They don't right now have this particular oat milk that we uh, love, but they did last week have these purple potatoes that I'm telling you, if you boil them and then you put them in a bowl and kind of mash them with some olive oil and salt and pepper, and then you take some and put back in a hot skillet in some olive oil, you get like a smashed potato pancake thing that is just, whoo-wee-wee. So the grocery store, The fundamental premise of the grocery store is you and I go into the grocery store and the people who work in the grocery store have put things on the shelves which we purchase and take home and consume. Now, a few questions. How do they know what to put on those shelves? Is it just random? Are they guessing? Are the foods on those shelves, is it foods that they like? Is there somebody who works there who is just like, I quite fancy a bit of pumpkin spice, and so right now everything is just pumpkin spice flavored. How do they know? By the way, all these episodes on hope, we're, we're, 
we're just uh, mastering the obvious. So if it multiple times, you're like, these questions are so dumb. They're so basic. They're so, yeah. Mm -hmm. You want hope? You got to slow way down and ask very simple questions about the world around you. Yeah. So how do they know what to put on the shelves of the store? They know because of what people purchase. If something's discontinued, it may be a supply chain sourcing issue, but probably it's because not enough people purchase it. New things on the shelf are probably in response to what people are asking for, or some focus group or some study or some data or metrics told them this is something that people will purchase. If that's the store, the store that you go to, if that's the store that you go to regularly, then what's on the shelves is a reflection of what you purchase. You're part of what ends up on the shelves. You and I are one of the many reasons why they put what they put on those shelves, you and I and the others who go to that store. So somebody physically grew the food and packaged it and shipped it and sorted it and shelved all those foods, but your tastes, my preferences, our purchasing patterns helped put those foods on those shelves. It's a loop, a web, a system, an interconnected exchange. Your info, my data, our habits are endlessly shaping that grocery store in countless ways. So notice how you can see a grocery store from two different perspectives. You can see a grocery store from a lens of separation I don't work at the grocery store. I don't put the things on the shelves. I go into it, take the things off the shelves, put them in my cart, buy them, take them home. I can see it through a lens of separation, me and them. Or, equally true, I can see it not through a lens of separation, but through a lens of unity, oneness, and wholeness. A grocery store is a living, breathing entity that I am shaping along with others, by my purchasing your spending habits. Now, picture yourself walking through the front door of your grocery store. Notice how you can walk through through a lens of separation. Look at all the stuff on the shelves that somebody put there. Notice how you can also walk through the front door and see it as a dynamic interplay and relationship that you are actively helping shape and form. See how you can see yourself in relation to it from the outside and you enter into it and it is already established and you see what's on the shelves, but notice how you can also understand it from inside it. Equally true. You can see it from outside. You can also understand it from inside as a reality that is all around you, less something you enter into and something you are already in that is all around you that you are profoundly helping shape and form what it even is. Yeah. Notice how you have those two different perspectives that you can shift between pretty quickly, almost instantaneously.
Now, let's move from grocery. Perhaps you leave the grocery store and you get stuck in traffic on the way home. Let's explore traffic for a minute along the same lines. You get home having sat in traffic and you observe, exclaim, vent, slash, complain to those you live with how bad traffic was. Oh, God, it was just bumper to bumper. It took forever. How do you know traffic was bad? Once again, once again, these questions, we are just mastering the obvious here. They're just profoundly duh. When we complain or mention how bad traffic was, how do we know traffic was bad? We know because we were in it. So we are in the traffic, and there are all these people in all these cars around us, and all these cars around us, the backup, the congestion, the blockage is slowing us so we can't get where we want to go as quickly as we'd like to. But somebody else, perhaps, was arriving home at the exact same time, and they were saying to the people they live with, ah, traffic was terrible. Who were they talking about? They were talking about me and you. (laughs) So... Everybody else, everybody in traffic is talking about how bad traffic is, referring to all the other cars, when in fact the only way that you know traffic is bad is because you are in traffic, which therefore means you are traffic. So all these people in all these other cars, that's what they're saying about me. I'm the one who is traffic to them. So yes, there are other cars. I can see traffic through separation. There's me and then there's all that traffic. Traffic is real and yet I am traffic. (laughs) There are these other cars on the road that slowed me down in the same exact way that I am a car that in the car that slowed down other people. (laughs) Once again, so totally obvious, but there is no traffic or the extent to which there is something called traffic is something that I am actively creating by my participation in it. All parts take place within holes, W-H-O-L-E-S. All separations exist within unities. So the grocery store is a whole, it's a unity. If you and I stop going to that grocery store, then the things won't get purchased and taken off the shelves, and eventually that store will go out of business. So it all exists in a dynamic, symbiotic relationship with itself. All the various parts. Me, the people who work there. You, the other people who shop there. The person who drives the truck, who drops off the food, isn't somebody who works in that particular store. The person who is in the aisle next to you, who is going to be checking out ahead of you, isn't the person who hired the person to drive the truck to deliver things. They're all separate parts, but they all exist within a whole known as the grocery store. All parts take place within holes. All separations and distinctions exist within unities and a certain oneness. All distinctions happen within categories. All differences happen within categories. Black is not white. Red is not blue. But they're all colors. So all of those various distinctions among color and yellow is not green and orange is not mauve, all of those different distinctions happen within a category of color. So all of the parts and all of the different colors exist within a larger category, 
in the same way that loud is not quiet and quiet is not loud, and yet they're both measures of sound. They're both ways of understanding noise. So you would say, no, loud over here, quiet over here. They're totally different, and yet those parts and distinctions and differences exist within a larger wholeness and unity known to be sound. So we can go from the grocery store to traffic to color to noise to me and every other person in the country I live in and every single difference between us and every single variance of opinion and wildly divergent perspective. But we all have a passport that has the same name of the same nation on it. All parts exist within a larger unity and whole. All other human beings, the ones that you cannot relate to, you don't speak the same language, have nothing, I have nothing in common with that person other than the fact that you're part of the same species and are citizens of the same planet. All differences, divides, and distinctions exist within larger unities and wholes. All parts exist within wholes. Once again, my friends, we're moving very slowly, just pointing out very, very obvious truths and how you can see things through separation. It's not that there isn't separation. It's real. The separations are real. The divide, the differences is real. The different, that color is not that color. That's loud, that's quiet. This person, that person. Real, just part of a larger whole that's just as real. So you can move from the grocery store to traffic, to color, to sound, to planets, to people, to nations. You can also, the internet. Often, notice how when people talk about the internet, they often talk about the internet like it's a thing that exists. Right? Like, oh man, the internet. Man, there's a, there's a lot of hate on the internet. Woo! It can get dark on the internet. As if the internet is something that exists, and then you have opinions about it or observations about it. Have you ever been on the internet? Once again, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm literally trying to out-duh myself with these questions. Have you ever been on the internet? If you have, what did you do on the internet? Where did you go? What did you search for? What did you click? Because whatever you did on the internet, the internet itself was paying attention. Someone somewhere was keeping track of page views, clicks, views. Somebody is noticing what people click on. And whenever you and I are on the internet, the choices that we're making on the internet we are telling somebody somewhere, this is what I click on. Somebody is receiving that from the other side. This right here, this is something people click on. So what they are going to do is give us more of that. The internet, we can talk about it like it's a thing that exists out there, but our participation, our choices, our clicks drives the engine and creates the internet, not the other way around. What we do creates the internet. Someone could spend millions of dollars and make something on the internet. They could spend millions of dollars on, on some film, clip, video, and put it on YouTube. They can make a large, elaborate site, but if no one notices and no one goes to it and no one clicks on it, if no one visits that site, a tree falls in the woods. It, it's just, it's not, 
like really a thing. So, so if you find yourself despondent, flirting with despair about what's on the internet, how do you know that that's on the internet? The only way I know that something's on the internet is because I saw it. How? Because I was on the internet and I clicked, I watched, I viewed, I forwarded, I opened that, I went to it, I saw it, I went down that rabbit hole, and in the process, what I was telling the internet is, more of this, please. I clicked, I shaped. Anytime someone says to you, woo, those comments, that got dark in those comments, that got really nasty. How do you know? Well, what do you mean, how, how do you know the comments? Well, because I read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you read them, what you were telling the internet is more of this. This is what I click on and what the machine is geared and built to do is give you more of that. Anytime you and I are on the internet, whatever we are doing on the internet, we are telling the internet more of this, please. In the same way, everything you purchase in the grocery store is telling the people who run the grocery store, this is what people purchase. All parts take place within holes. The moment I go online, I'm part of it, shaping it, forming it, and guiding it. There is no internet out there. Or you could say, yes, there is an internet out there to the degree to which there is an internet that you and I are shaping by our very participation in it, on it, as a part of it. Now, let's pause here and just state the obvious, just because we'll talk about a, a number, a bit of this later, but let's just say this really clearly because it's really important understanding how all this works. Everybody helped elect Donald Trump to be president a number of years ago. What was that, six years ago? 2016? Yeah. Everybody helped elect Trump. Some people actually voted for him, but everybody helped elect him. Especially those of us who are outraged and appalled and shocked by what he said and did. We clicked on those stories, those tweets, those posts. We passed those clips around. We and by the way, this extends into the present moment, into 2024, et cetera. We'll get to that in a while. But this is all data and clicks and information. It's also energy. We can give certain things energy or not energy. I think we'll do that in part two. We'll talk about the energy exchange. But it's really, really, really important to understand that if a person is disillusioned about the state of the world or disillusioned about what they've seen on the internet, as if it's a passive, separate thing that exists out there. It's simply not true. It's not true. Now, let's move this truth into, what would you call it? The relational realm, relational fields, how we interact with each other. So let's take a an example, and let's pull it apart just for a minute. This truth that all parts exist within wholes. Because often the story that we're telling ourselves is only part of the story, and we're wondering why a particular thing is in play, 
but we are missing the full story because we're stuck in the parts and we aren't actually aware of the holes, and that's where all the confusion is. So here's an example. Do you, have you ever been around somebody, or, or maybe you have somebody in your life right now, who always tells the same stories? That maybe they're stuck in some time in their life, or maybe, and, and when you're with them, like that era, that moment in their life, or perhaps they have something in the world that just cranks them up, and instead of doing something about it, they just keep telling the same stories about their frustration, their anger, their, their fascination. Uh, maybe they have some bond with you, and you've moved, like, yeah, I guess we did. We went to school together, or yeah, I guess we did go through that together. But they're like, the bond with you is still for them, like, what they want to talk about. And, and you're like, oh, that was like nine years ago, or however that works. So when you're with them, they always tell the same stories, and you can feel it coming. You ever had that experience where you're like, oh God, don't tell me they're actually going to tell that. And then they launch into that story and you're like, oh my God, they're telling that again. Are they not aware that I've heard that story four times? Yeah. How do you know that? How do I know that? How do I know they tell the same stories over and over? Yeah. No, notice how the question is so obvious. It, almost, it, it can easily slip under the radar. When I say, oh God, they always do that same rant or, oh. They always have to go on about that thing they've heard on the news that they just want to make sure that I know that they think that they... How do I know? Well, I know they tell this... They always tell that... God, they've told that story to me. I've heard that story five times. How do I know? I know because I sat there five times. Yeah. You know because you've heard that rent three times. You know because they've told you four different times about what that person did to them and how they're still upset. Yeah. They're worried about you and blah, 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 blah. How do you know that they're going to bring it up again? Because they always bring it up. How do you know? Because you've sat through listening to them tell you this the past four times you've seen them. Yeah. How do I know? Because I was there. Yeah. Of course... They tell that story again. I continued to give them an audience. I was there. My presence actually fed the machine. I gave them an audience. I participated. Now, it may seem like passive resignation. Like, I was just there, and they just kept telling the story. Yeah, your presence, in the same way that your eyeballs shape the internet. All you do is click and look and it shapes the internet. All I do is sit there and listen, and I am continuing to give them an audience. I didn't do anything. I was like a captive audience. Yeah, you did. You sat there. You sat there. Your presence shaped what happened. Yeah. I didn't stop them the second time and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you told me this story before. Yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I just let them tell the story again, and I just sat there like, oh my God, they're telling the story again. I, I fed and participated. I kept the thing in play. Yeah, I helped shape it. Yep. Yeah. Or, or uh, let's, uh, oh, here's one. 
perhaps you find yourself sitting in soul-sucking meetings. Oh, God, and they go on and on, and they drone about this, and uh, just like, it's so exhausting. Yeah, yeah, and you dread them, and you have this like, why am I in this meeting? But you sit there anyway. Yeah. Now, I know the person's like, I have to. It's part of my job. If I don't do it, we'll get to that later. We'll get to the, the issue of disempowerment later. We'll get to how you shape your life. But let's just, let's just notice how powerful your presence is. Your presence is an energy all of itself. If I just sit there, if you sit there, what message does that send the system? What data, data, what analytics, what metrics does that tell the system? It tells the system that if you have these soul-sucking meetings, people will sit through them. Yeah, of course it's risky to say something about the meeting or before the meeting to say something about the meeting or whoever runs the meeting or to say something to your the person who perhaps it's a, on the, the food chain, the, the org chart, the, maybe it's the boss, maybe there's like serious consequences for just being like, but obviously the, dis, the disruptions are what make new worlds. Yeah, so, so here, but here's the point. Passive resignation, I just have to sit through this stuff, feels like separation there is the boring, soul-sucking meeting, and I am separate from it, just having to endure it. It may feel or give the illusion of separation, but it is, in fact, active participation. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, if you want hope, you have to go all the way back to how you view the world. For many people, their view of the world is that the world is out there and that there is a fixed boundary between you and this world out there, and it is what it is. And then oftentimes when people talk about hope, what they're talking about, the question is, do you have hope or how do you have hope or where does your hope come from? What they're talking about is how do you think, feel, or believe? Basically, how are things arranged somewhere inside of you? What is your mental furniture like? What do you think, feel, or believe about that world out there and where, like, do you have hope for the world? And not only that whole world out there, but that world out there and where it's headed, meaning where it's going to be someday. So the question is actually about how are things arranged inside of you about a thing outside of you that you have kind of nothing to do with someday, not in this moment? Well, of course people feel despair and a lack of hope. That entire conception not only isn't true, but it's built to fail. It's doomed from the start. It parks itself in the illusion of separation. Separation is real to a degree, but if you only park there, you are, it's not how things are. Yeah, it's not how things are. And so then people end up doing like a sort of math scoreboard of what they've observed out there, the latest news they've seen, and what do you think about the state of the world based on 
what a entertainment thing that calls itself news fed you because of what you clicked. It's all a giant hairball of an ambiguous matrix. How's, how's that for a technical description? It's a hairball of an ambiguous matrix, and then people with a passive view of this thing that is happening. Yeah, no wonder. No wonder. It's fundamentally disempowering. Its fundamental starting point is other people shape and do things, and then I have thoughts or opinions on where that thing out there is headed. What are your thoughts and opinions? How do you get a different set of thoughts, opinions, feelings, and beliefs about it? Asking, for many people, a discussion about hope is like asking questions as if you have nothing to do with it. And of course, all that will ever lead to is a deep sense of despondency. Yeah. So try this. Try this. Make this switch. Try this. Make this switch and see what happens. Move from the separation of the grocery store to noticing how you're shaping the grocery store. Notice how you are traffic. Yeah. Notice relationally the things that you are keeping and, and participating in and keeping in circulation. And if your instant reflex is, well, if I actually said something or walked out or failed to show up or just stopped the person, that might get a little uncomfortable. But yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, how do you think a new world is made? Yeah, the old world gets disrupted. Yeah, if you're wondering how new worlds get made, people stop keeping things in circulation. They stop clicking on those stories. Yeah. Yeah, at some point, you're like, God, I'm so sick of hearing about so-and-so. Where are you hearing about them? Anytime anybody says they are so tired of hearing about something, where are they hearing about it? Well, then don't click on that. Don't watch that. Don't go there. Don't sit through that story that you've already heard three times. Yeah. Yeah. You want hope. Yeah. You got to move from the idea that there's some sort of wall between you and the world around you, and it just is what it is, and then you try to come up with some sort of positive way of thinking about it. We, we literally know this scientifically. We literally know this from the past, what, 100, 120 years of quantum physics. The observation of the subatomic particle affects what the particle does. For literally hundreds of years, People had an understanding that you observe something and it does what it does, and you're just the passive observer just making notes on what it does. And what we now know at sort of the building block nature of reality is that when you observe the act of observing the particle, and everything's made of particles, affects what the particle does. Yeah. Yeah, so there's something quantum that's happening. And lots of people are actually waking up to this. Lots of people are realizing, oh, wait, I thought I was just like sort of a, a part of this machine and it's just going to do what it's going to do. And you're, you're noticing this, lots and lots of people, the angst in the air, the dissatisfaction, the sense of like, yeah, uh, almost like a sense of rising up, the, 
This is why a lot of authority structures and, and hierarchies are just getting smashed to pieces. It's because people are realizing, oh, wait, I have been shaping this. I went along with that. And I went along with it thinking I had no options, I had no power, I had no autonomy. And what I was actually doing and going along with that was shaping it. I was told, I, w I was sending the message, um, if you do that, I'll go along with it. So, so part of the thing in the air right now, it's, it's very quantum, it's very of the heart, it's very of people waking up to their own uh, infinite, indestructible <laughs> in this, their own deep knowing. There's lots of different ways of talking about it. That's actually what's happening right now is people realizing this thing is getting shaped by us. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about energy and power in the next part, but that's what's happening. So, so here we go. Let's keep going. Just a couple thoughts here at the end. This is why actual hope will always be a little quiet. It'll always be a little under the radar. The people who actually live with hope probably, I realized I, ha I don't even use, like I look, I was thinking through Robcast, I've used that word, there's been what, a couple of episodes maybe? Yeah, yeah, if you, if you s start to live with hope, you come to see that it's not like a thing you have. It's just an awareness of how things are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as opposed to, I mean, obviously, you have very real heartbreaking, sad, gut-wrenching things that fill you with anger, rage, but like, like Russia invading Ukraine, there's a sense of helplessness, a sense of, yes, of course. So there's a very real, dynamic, emotional interaction we have with the world. But you also never stop seeing how you're creating the world around you. And there's always steps. There's always moves. There's always things as simple as, I'm not going to give that energy anymore. You always, always, always are finding new layers of your own empowerment and autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're endlessly discovering the holes, the unities, the ones that are all around you and how you're shaping things and how you always, 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 always have options. Yeah. So what you're realizing is how interesting and compelling and vital it is to go about being you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is especially important in the, the huge things like the environmental crisis, like growing uh, gap in wealth, all these sorts of things that, that can feel paralyzing. You're learning, oh, but, but I actually could do this differently at a very granular, every, granular, everyday way. You're learning that the world tilts on the subtle and the kind, those things that don't announce themselves. You start to see that the people who are constantly announcing all these grand things about whether they have hope or they're not, or all the big things they're doing in the world, eh, that's fine, I guess. Blow your trumpet if you want, but no. Actual hope, yeah, moves quietly and humbly in like the warp and woof of your actual everyday life because you realized, oh, wait, we c I could shape this thing in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I could live this way. I could live that way. I could do this differently. Yeah, the people who make the most noise about their lack of hope, 
think often. They often think they're talking about how the world actually is and where it really is headed. But generally, what they're revealing is how enslaved they are to the parts and unaware of the holes. They're actually telling you more about their lens. It presents itself as a sort of world-weary cynicism that's aware of you don't really understand how bad it is. And of course, lots of things are falling apart. Yeah, lots of things are. Yeah, of course. Of course, that's, that's nothing new. But it often presents itself like it's a step ahead, but actually they're just announcing a generally a personal pain and a personal sense of disempowerment, like they don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's actually generally happening there. Yeah. So you are the grocery store. Try this out with somebody. Just be like, I am the grocery store. <laughs> I am traffic. <laughs> I am the internet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but try this. And once again, we're just getting started. This is just the intro to the intro. Very, 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 very simple. But tr try making this switch. Just move from some fixed world out there that you have opinions about where you think it's headed and what do you think and what or your thoughts, but just, just move to something that you are dynam dynamically shaping and notice how many new things open up in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Notice everything about the earth when you move to this thing that is out of control, there's nothing you can do about. Notice if you move to, no, I am part of this. Notice how many ways you will see for you to live more connected and in harmony with the earth. Notice instantly how many new things. And notice as you do those things, hope will not for you become, hey, do you think things could be better? Because you will be experiencing that better at a very embodied flesh and bud in space and time level. You're wondering, like, why are people so? But you are actually encountering your own evolution, waking up, however language you want to use for it. You are seeing new ways you can be present, new things you can simply not give energy to. And when you don't give energy to them, then they will gradually stop looping back to you. Yeah, and that we'll, we'll explore that more in the next episode, how the very things that we're like, why does this keep happening? We actually are one of the reasons why it keeps happening. So uh, we'll explore energy next. But right now, notice if you make this switch, what it does for your sense of hope, how it moves from a thing you either have or you don't have to simply awareness of how things are. Yeah, yeah, notice how it brings a, a certain lightness, even, especially to the heaviest things, because you yourself are moving in new ways. New creation is arising within you and spreading out within your, your territory. However small or humble it may be, you, you, you'll be like, oh, wow, I can actually tilt, I can actually tilt my little world here. Yeah, 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 and of course, enough, enough people do that. Yeah, the whole thing starts to tilt. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so there, my friends. There's a bit. There's an intro. There's a part one on hope, peace, and love to you now more than ever.